After the success of the last two seasons, Talking Points is back for an incredible third season, shining a light on a life in dance in the performing arts. But we are also going overseas, speaking to Australian dancers and international artists who have made their careers around the globe. There are life highs and career lows, and we chat everything from bullying, sexuality, confidence, inspiration, and navigating retirement. I'm your host, Claudia Lawson. On our first episode of Season 3, I'm speaking with the former principal dancer of the Australian Ballet, the much-loved Adam Bull. Adam grew up in outer Melbourne, and by a stroke of luck, his primary school teacher at his local school suggested he try dance. He did, and it became a love affair that has lasted a lifetime. By the time he was a teenager, he was training under Brian Nolan at Dance World 301 before joining the Australian Ballet School and then being accepted straight into the Australian Ballet Company. In this wonderful interview, recorded just five days before Adam's final performance in Melbourne, Adam reflects on his career. He speaks of his early life growing up dancing, joining the company, and of course, making principal. But we also talk about more, about love, about his onstage relationship with Amber Scott, his thoughts on marriage, and what it feels like to dance for the national company for 22 years. Adam, you are calling in from Melbourne. You've been with the Australian Ballet for more than 20 years and in, what, four, maybe five days, you are giving the final performance of your entire career. So I guess I just wanted to start by asking, you know, how are you? How's the headspace? Are the emotions sort of running really high? Yeah, it's it's all the emotions at the moment. It's a really sort of surreal, strange, exciting, emotional time. I'm not sure after 22 years dancing with Oz Ballet, it now comes down to these last five days. So it's a really reflective, emotional, strange time at the moment. I can imagine. And, you know, we'll obviously get to how you've come to that decision. So, Maybe we now wind back all the way to the other end of your career and you grew up in Laverton, which is in Melbourne's West, and I understand you didn't come from a ballet family. So how how did ballet cross your path? How did I end up here? How did all this happen? <laughs> exactly. Um, how did this happen? Yeah, a little shy boy from the you know western suburbs of Melbourne. My parents didn't dance or really knew anything about the world of ballet. My sister played netball. She's um, three years older than I am. But in grade one, uh, my primary school teacher, Mrs. Janine Kipp, saw something in this little boy and she encouraged my parents to take me to ballet. Or start, no, it was to dance. She said, I think Adam would like to dance. She hit the nail on the head. We found a a local suburban ballet school, Brian Nolan Academy of Dance, and Brian Nolan, that was a former member of the Australian Ballet. And it was this tiny little shoebox of a studio next to a mechanics and in an industrial area of Werribee. And here was this ex-dancer of the Australian Ballet. And it was in those little studios that, you know, I found my calling, some say. <laughs> I mean, I wonder what she saw in that in that young boy. What do you think inspired her to suggest that? 
I don't know because there, I, I guess I was kind of theatrical maybe, but I wasn't really overtly loud and showy. I don't know. There was this something which she saw. And to this day, I'm really thankful to her. And, um, She's actually got to be at the show on Saturday for my last show. Is she really? Yeah, I got a message from her daughter saying that she's seen that I'm retiring and she brought tickets for her mum and, yeah, so she's got to be there, which is going to be really sweet and kind of emotional. And so with that, did that come bullying in the schoolyard? Like are you now kind of the odd kid out learning ballet in year one? Uh... Not really. Actually, I remember like through my primary school years at school, I ended up doing my jazz solo, which I think was to Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror at school assembly. (laughs) So I think when it came to performing, the shy kid would turn around and the performer came out. It was this sense of freedom and who I was meant to be always came out through dance. I wasn't really bullied at school especially primary school, I think kids knew that I danced and were actually really encouraging. High school maybe was a little bit different, but still wasn't as bad as I heard it has been for some young boys doing ballet or dance. But you sort of knew the people to tell and you you knew the people not to tell. I don't know if this is right, but... um... Through the ballet grapevine, I always understood that Brian Nolan was a fairly strict taskmaster. I mean, is that true or is that just the grapevine talking? Oh, yeah, he was a tough teacher, but he really laid down the foundations for me as a classical ballet dancer. And something in that strictness and the way it was taught, I loved that formality of it. I loved the the strictness of it. There was something about that um, structure that really resonated with me. And within that formal structure, there was the joy which I found within the dance. I kind of liked that challenge of toughness and always wanting more. I think that's something that really prevalent in dances, you know, especially as you get older, you you raise the bar and dancers loved trying to achieve it and push Mm. themselves further. So his, his, his firmness and strictness, I think, really laid down the foundations. Um, but he was quite scary at times. <laughs> I think all ballet teachers have that sort of <laughs> imprint on kids yeah. to some extent. But it's good to hear that that was received in a positive way, as in that built your discipline or that built your drive rather than, you know, you do hear some horror stories out there. I think especially for that time, I think, you know, the formalities around ballet, there was that sort of real toughness and you would go to competitions and things and there were these like really you know, amazing schools, but you sort of heard the stories, you know, of what that teacher was like and what that teacher was like. And you sort of worn it as a badge, you know, mm. you know, what school you were from and like who, 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 who is that person and who's that person? And you sort of, I love that. You know, I did all the Stanford's and was kind of that competition kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, we were just talking before before we started that we we think we have this photo together in some ballet final. But I also remember that in the Stanford program because they would often print the name of the studio, and I I often remember seeing Dance World three hundred one, and you think, oh, the kids from there train so hard. <laughs> I think we came in and sort of like, oh god, this is serious. We don't muck around. That was my impression that Dance World three hundred one kids meant business, and I actually didn't know that Brian Nolan until much later was ex-Australian ballet. So that actually makes much more sense. And so was the Australian ballet always the dream? Definitely. I remember 
I think it was like I was 12 or 13 and my parents brought me a season subscription to the ballet and I went with like my best friend and it was just the two of us like our parents brought us season tickets wow I know it was extremely generous and they would drop us off but it was like the 6 30 early show on a Monday I, I don't know how they did it they, we had the front row of the um the circle right in the middle wow. I think we're next to like Judith and Carol and like and we'd sort of <laughs> shuffle in and sit and watch the ballet and it was over those two years that I realized you can do this as a job you can do this as a profession like my whole world opened to what the possibilities of ballet are and I think before that it was just like you would go to ballet class ballet lessons and it was sort of more about just you know doing it for fun and what it was at that time but it was from seeing the Australian ballet I realized this can be a a job this can be a profession so it was really from the age of 12 or 13 that was like yeah the Australian ballet that's what I want to do I want to be Stephen Heathcote or Mm -hmm. David McAllister from that point on that was my focus and aim and aspirations was to be a dancer with the Australian ballet it's been an epic run you you get into the Australian ballet school you graduate with honors you get straight into the company and then six years later I made principal highest rank did it feel that seamless from the inside? Because, you know, you read that on a program and you're like, you know, he's just flown to the top. Yeah, it looks easy, you know. It's just all falling into place. God, no. It's been an incredible journey and this has been my dream and I've made it come true, but it's been a lot of work and there's highs and lows, but I was given opportunities quite early in my career and I'm very thankful to David McAllister. Um, We were his first intake of dancers when he became director Mm. after being a principal. So it was in 2001 he was announced the new director and in 2002 we were his first intake of dancers into the company. And in that year, it was an incredible year, um, Amy Harris, who's the principal, Lana Jones, ex-principal, Remy Wertmeyer, who's... um, just retired as a principal from Dutch National, Melissa Boniface. People say, you know, a golden year at the Australian Ballet School, Adam Mm. Blanche, Connor Dowling. There's a real talent around that time. And I think when you have that talent in the room when you're young, it's sort of like that thing you, as I was saying before, like you rise to the occasion. There's a couple of standouts and you really push to sort of keep up with who's around you. Mm. So we really worked hard and played hard and it was a such a cool time at the ABS and then graduating into the school but yeah as I was saying I was given opportunities amongst your first couple of years where you stand there and hold a spear or champagne glasses in (laughs) Swan Lake but amongst that I was sort of given opportunities to sort of step up. The female garde was my first principal role as Colas with Rachel Rawlins in my second year in the company I remember A lot of it has to do with timing and opportunities. I think, you know, injuries occur and people go off and you're second understudy, but there's no one left and they're like, okay, you're up next. Wow. You get those opportunities and you have to sink or swim. And I think I rose to the occasion and met what was required of me or they saw potential and, you know, the opportunities became more frequent, I think, after that. And, yeah, I was promoted yeah, six years into my career at the ballet and, yeah, 16 years later I'm still going. <laughs> well, not to do much <laughs> And so what was that moment like when you were made principal? Were you expecting it? 
I, it's, it's kind of a bit egotistical to say that I was, but I'd done a lot of work sort of in that six months year before that. And I was always hoping that one day it would happen. Um, but you never knew when it was or if it was. It was really like funny, actually. David was really sneaky. He told my parents and my partner that he was going to promote me. It was um, the season of Ballet Imperial, George Balanchine's Ballet Imperial. And I was dancing um, the lead principal with Olivia Bell, who was my ballerina. And I said, oh, mum, I'm doing opening night. It was kind of a big deal. I thought, oh, you have to come. Oh, sorry, we can't make it. We've got to go and have Chinese with our best (laughs) friends. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. All right, that's a bit strange. But um, David had snuck them into the theatre and, yeah, so they were there for that that night when I was promoted. And I saw them afterwards. He brought them back into the dressing room and I burst into tears and mum burst into tears. And, yeah, it was a pretty amazing moment. And I was promoted with... Danielle Rowe and we remember jumping around like crazy school kids you know, on the state theatre stage. A dream come true. And that Australia has that really beautiful tradition where promotions occur on stage with the company. I mean, that is not the yeah. norm around the world. In the UK and America, at least, you're told in a back office and then the next season you just yeah. sort of turn up as a principal. So to have that sort of public recognition in front of your colleagues and your family just must be just so incredible. Yeah, it was really, yeah, one of those moments that I'll, I'll never forget because it's it was a dream, you know, for so long and for that to happen was, yeah, it was special. But then the, the work begins again. That's something I sort of reflected on, you know, over the last sort of few months. You never stop learning. You never make it per se because it's the next step and the next goal and you're still doing ballet class, you know, so you never can sit back and go, I've made it now. This is all I have to do. Your craft is always developing. Your partnership with Amber Scott is, you know, known worldwide. And I think it sort of seldom happens that, you know, a partnership is so well known and people talk about it sort of sporadically, but you two seem to have that connection that people talk about on stage. Yeah. Can you speak to that, to Amber as a partner and someone who's been there really for your whole career? Yeah, oh, it's really special. I sort of, you know, just thinking about it, I sort of choke up because we have been through it all. Like from when we were kids, you know, we were an intake of associates into the ABS when we were 10 or 11 years of age and she was a year above me at ABS. But the big moments in our career we've sort of shared together. You know, we've done Grand Murphy's Swan Lake around the world together a new classical version of Swan Lake was created on us. All the big ballets we've shared and a lot of the contemporary works, but there is something beautiful about when you can look at someone on stage and without saying anything, you know exactly what they're saying, what they're feeling, what emotion they're trying to portray. And we don't really have to think so much about the technicalities. We can just get lost in the story and what we're trying to portray to the audience or the story that we're trying to you know emote with yeah it's a really special partnership and I'm so grateful that I have found that person on stage where I can be completely at ease and I know exactly where they are or where they want to be in their arabesque you know or what pirouette they're going to do and it's nice to be able to share so much of what this career has been with AMS and I'm going to miss her and we've only got, you know, five more shows, I think, 
before I finish and being there at the end will be really special to have that last dance together. Mm. She must be emotional too because even the timing of it, she's had a couple of maternity leaves and returned to the stage. So to have that final performance together seems so sort of serendipitous. Yeah, I I couldn't have asked for it you know, a better way to finish. And and with the work itself, Paragon by Alice Top, I, I burst into tears because I was like, that's how I want to finish. That's how I want to wrap this career up because she was bringing alumni back, Stephen Heathcote, Dave McAllister, Kirsty Martin, Lucinda Dunn. So these big titans of the ballet back onto stage and to be a part of that and to share this moment in time with people that I looked up to, I get to dance with Fiona Tonkin, who mm. I watched on VHS, on the ABC VHS videos. It felt exactly the way that I wanted to finish my time at the Australian Ballet and it's been the most beautiful working experience that I've ever had because it's just so beautifully tied up everything that I wanted to do and I really, as much as it sounds like I'm copping out, I didn't want to put on a pair of tights and have to do, you know, pirouettes and second double tours. I've been there, done all that. I've done all the all the big ballets and I want to sort of leave my memory and mark on them in how I wanted to do it. I'm 42 in a couple of months. And oh, my goodness. It's hard to keep <laughs> yourself going. This work really give it what I wanted to give it, you know, at this moment in time in my career. Mm, I mean, it's incredible to hear you say at the beginning when we started that you were looking up to David McAllister and Stephen Heathcote and you actually finish in a work with them on stage. I mean, you're right. It couldn't be more full circle. Yeah, it's kind of very poetic in, in the sense of what it represents. And for me, it's always been about the company and not the person. It's not about myself or my ego being on stage it's always being about the Australian ballet and the people around me and sharing these moments with the company and you know that's got to be the hardest thing leaving is leaving the family of the Australian ballet god it's got to be hard to leave it I think there's going to be some tears on Saturday night when that curtain falls yeah you know and there has been some moments in the studio like with some the full calls we've done with the other dancers and there's sort of, yeah, there's a bit of a changing of the guard at the moment, I think, within the company as well. There's an older sort of generation of dancers that have been around for a longer period of time and there's this amazing, hungry new talent within the company as well. So I feel like there's a reverence to the old but a really um, fantastic energy of the young coming up and that's how it goes you know Mm. this in this profession and in this world we have this moment in time and we leave our mark and try and keep the flame burning as bright and then you pass it on to the next generation and god like the talent just keeps getting more and more um evolved and the art form is evolving and the values of what the young dancers have now and what they believe in is so exciting. So it's sort of really nice to sort of give the baton to the next generation and see in 20 years what they do with it because it's an exciting time with the company and especially with David Holberg and mm. his vision and what his aspirations for the company are. It's, yeah, it's got to be an exciting time. I spoke with Jenna um, Roberts, who's now Jenna Kelly last year, and yeah. 
she was saying the same for her retirement, her final performance. I think it was Romeo and Juliet. And she was just the relief. She said that it wasn't Aurora and, yeah. you know, not having to bring the, you know, height of that technique and that stress to the stage, yeah. but just to be able to actually enjoy, enjoy that performance. <laughs> you just said you're nearly 42. I mean, how is the body holding up? Is it, are you uh, exhausted? <laughs> God, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's, I've had it. You know, touch wood, I've got five days to keep myself together. <laughs> I've had a really good run. You know, there's always injuries and there's always, you know, parts of the body that are sore. But considering all that I've done, I've managed to sort of hold myself together. And I think that's one of the blessings about finishing up now. I'm still able to do what I want to do and finish on my terms, which is, you know, kind of a rarity in this profession that, your body can still deliver what it needs to and wants to. So I'm really thankful for that. But yeah, I want to rest. I want to not have to do <laughs> uh, plies and tonjus in the morning. Yeah, I've been really lucky. And the support that we have at the ballet, um, it's kind of quite renowned now, The our medical team and the support that we get, you know, to keep our bodies going. What I've seen over the 20 plus years I've been with the company, the medical science around the art form and how we protect our bodies and prepare our bodies, we're sort of leading, you know, the world in that field. And I think that's been a reason why I'm still dancing today. I mean, absolutely, because, you know, you think, I think even when we were training, you know, I think if you made 30 as a dancer, it was considered, oh, you know, you've done well. Now to think it's more than a yeah. decade on that and to the really well-publicised rehabilitations of David Horberg and Benedict Beme, it's really well-renowned, the medical teams out of the Australian Ballet. How nice to be able to move on and rest. And so where yeah. are, where to next? Where to next? Um, well, this is kind of the exciting thing. So my partner and I have been planning this for about a year and we've brought an off-road caravan, four-wheel drive, and the week after I finish, we're taking 18 months. We've rented our places out and we've got to just drive around Australia. What? And just have a break, have a proper break. My partner, we've been together for nearly 20 years and he's supported me this whole time, you know, in this selfish profession. Ballet's selfish in the sense what it requires and what it requires of you to sort of, you know, the sacrifices that you have to make to do what you do. He supported me sort of through that. So it's got to be about the two of us now and where do we want to be, but we've got to, yeah, find out what that is around yeah. Australia, out the outback and have time away from the ballet world and I think grieve a little bit from what was and find out who Adam Bull is without ballet. I'm not Adam Bull, principal artist of the Australian Ballet. I'm just be me out in the back of Burke, you know, somewhere <laughs> or who knows. And I'm kind of looking forward to just being open to new experiences and finding who I am without the ballet world. But in saying that, you know, after this 18 months, I'll be back somewhere passing on the knowledge that I've gained. But where or when, um, I'm not too sure. Wow. I mean, you said your partner was there at your promotion 
to principle and, you know, of course, for this interview and researching your life, you can see Guy all through your life. Yeah. What a change for you two. How how did you two meet and how, like, what an incredible, really, journey he's been on with you. Yeah. So he was um, born in Sydney and but was living in New Zealand at the time and we met on a night out in Sydney on Oxford Street. (laughs) You know, I was this young kid and you know it was after a good time I think and you know we had this summer romance and um he went back to New Zealand and then sort of six months later we sort of still stayed connected and you know what we'd found together was too good to give up so he moved over to Sydney and yeah he's been a part of this crazy ballet world he's not involved in the arts at all um he's done lots of heritage property restoration in New Zealand and restaurants and he's a man of many talents but we're both just looking forward to finding ourselves without ballet and without the structure you know it's so tough the Australian Ballet does about 200 shows a year and we're traveling for six months and we haven't been in one spot for more than you know four or five months at a time so it's a nice it's an exciting and sort of nice time for us to figure out what the next chapter looks like. Wow. The women always get asked these questions, but would you like children? Would you want to get married? You know, is that on the cards or or it's really just finding out the next chapter? Yeah, no, definitely not kids. My, it was really cute today, actually. So it was my last Monday at work and I brought in my, one of, my niece and nephew, um, they're twins, Harry and Ruby, they've just turned four. And it was the first time they've seen Uncle Addie at the ballet so they came and watched class today which was a really special moment um with my sister so I've got my nieces and nephews um we're not married but I I all for marriage equality and you know I think it's the most incredible gift that we have now like you know it's amazing but for so long we were never able to you mm-hmm. know acknowledge our relationship with marriage so we've never felt like we've needed it mm-hmm. but who knows what will happen we kind of that are all that old married couple anyway but without the certificate. <laughs> and so have you got dreams to become artistic director or what are the sort of secret dreams at the back of the cerebella? <laughs> uh, who knows? Like I think things will sort of come out of this time, having this time away. I think new dreams and aspirations will sort of bubble up to the surface. I'm really passionate about mentoring young boys in ballet. Mm. I directed boys summer school in Sydney and that's a program that I'm really passionate about and really want to develop that into the future just nurturing and supporting young boys that choose dance in their life and how we can foster that love and support which they kind of need um I've been working with this program for a few years now and you see these boys that come at the start of the week they're the one or two boys amongst a thousand girls at their ballet school and they come to this program and within an hour you know these 20 or 30 boys are mucking around together and forming these amazing bonds and it's so so special to see and that sort of support and encouragement from their peers you know keeps them going and keeps them involved and if we can keep that involvement growing that'll be the next generation of young ballet dancers in the companies you know we wish you all the best for your adventures and 
you know, we can't wait to see where you emerge and what you, you know, continue to contribute to your legacy. We're so grateful for you coming to chat with me today. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Adam performed his final show with the Australian Ballet in June this year. For now, he continues to travel around Australia with his long-term partner, Guy. You can follow all of their adventures on Insta at Bull Adam. For Australian Ballet performances, head to theaustralianballet.com.au or find them on Insta at Oz Ballet. Adam and I recorded our conversation remotely with Adam dialing in from Melbourne on the land of the Coolin people to whom we pay our greatest respects. Talking Points is produced by Fjord Review. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you like us, please leave a five-star review. On the next episode of Talking Points, you'll hear from Danielle Rowe. You know, you would walk into the studio and you knew where you fit in the organisation. And then coming into an environment where I really felt like I was relearning how to dance. I felt like a newborn, <laughs> whatever that Like I had to learn how to walk again. Your host and producer is me, Claudia Lawson, with additional production by Penelope Ford and Clint Topic. Sound production and editing is by Martin Peralta at Output Media. And for the latest in all things dance, head to fjordreview.com.